Our theme today is very simply this. My wish for you as we look towards Christmas. My wish for you as we look towards Christmas. And the truths come out of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. It is the story here of two very special people, Zachariah and Elizabeth. Eventually, they became the parents of John the Baptist, who led us and led the people of his day towards the official arrival of Jesus, the Messiah. And so from this precious couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth, we discover some very important truths that can impact your life and mine. And as you're turning to the Gospel of Luke, I want to welcome our radio listeners as we turn to God's Word today. And the first wish that I have for you is this. I wish for you a renewed desire to live a holy life. I wish for all of us a renewed desire as we look ahead to Christmas, a renewed desire to live a godly, holy life. And this truth comes from the beginning of the story where in verse 5 and 6 it says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. By the way, I'm reading from the New International Version today. But I want you to notice especially verse 6, which says, Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. Now what does the word upright mean? What does it mean? Well, it means this. It means having or showing a strict regard for what is morally right. That's what the Greek word translated upright here means. Essentially, essentially, it's talking about holiness. And actually, the second half of verse 6 further explains the word upright by saying, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. And the question for you and for me to ask ourselves is this. Do I have, do you have, these kinds of high standards that are spoken of in regards to Zechariah and Elizabeth. I want us to notice something else here. Verse 6 says, both of them were upright, how? In the sight of God. Both of them were upright in the sight of God. It, it is significant that it doesn't say both of them were upright in the sight of other people. Instead, it says both of them were upright 
in the sight of God. Why is this an important distinction? Because you and I can look good. You and I can look good and you and I can look holy in the eyes of other people, but other people don't know everything about us, right? I don't know everything about you and you don't know everything about me, but God knows everything about each of us. And so, if it can be said that he or she is upright in the sight of God, we are saying that person is really holy. That person has incredible high standards. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, am I upright? Am I living a life that is upright in the sight of God? Now, someone might say, but Pastor Nick, let, let's be realistic. Let's be realistic. It was maybe possible for believers to have high standards in Bible days when there wasn't, well, there weren't so many temptations and so many life pressures. But surely we can't expect people to be upright in the sight of God in today's world, can we? Someone might say that. Now, stick with me. Stick with me. Please notice again in verse 5, which says, it says, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. In the time of King Herod. That phrase, in the time of Herod, is like saying, it's like saying, in the days of corruption. All right? That's what it really is saying. In the days of corruption, you see, Herod's name was the symbol of corrupt power politics. I want to be fair to Herod by telling you that he had achieved some fame through the numerous beautiful buildings that he had constructed. Herod had also been responsible for the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. At the same time, Herod was involved in a lot of corruption, unfortunately. He had polluted the Jewish land by the construction of temples in honor of pagan gods. As well, he instituted pagan games. And he, he acted with relentless cruelty towards any sign of opposition to his sovereignty, to his rule. He, he looked upon even his own family members. He looked upon even his own family members with so much distrust that he had several of his own family members executed. That was reality at that time. When, when Herod eventually died, he died, the researchers tell us, he died unmourned by his own family members, and he died being hated by the Jewish nation because of how corrupt he had lived his life. Now, I gave you some information about Herod to ultimately say this. Zechariah and Elizabeth lived in a period of time when they didn't have, they didn't have all the electronic gadgets, 
They didn't have the latest telephones. They didn't have the newest high-definition TVs, or any TV, of course. They didn't have the fancy internet possibilities. However, however, they lived in a period of time when there was a lot of corruption, a lot of ungodliness, and a lot of unbelief, and those realities are very similar to life in 2015. Whether one lives in Canada, or lives in Brazil, or whether one lives in Guyana, or anywhere around the world. Isn't that true? But in spite of the corruption, in spite of the ungodliness and unbelief in their society, the Bible says Zechariah and Elizabeth were upright in the sight of God. They remained free of corruption. They, they, they stayed godly, holy, and faithful to the Lord. They were people with very high standards. Do you and I also have these high standards? As we look ahead towards Christmas, let's get our lives in line and in shape so that our standards become pleasing to the Lord. Amen? In what aspect of your life, perhaps, do you need to change or do I need to change to get a little bit closer to God's standards? A boy brought home his report card that was filled he brought home his report card that was filled with very poor grades. His mother said to him this. His mother said, what have you to say about your poor grades, my son? The boy replied, one thing for sure, mom, you know I'm not cheating. <laughs> right? For some people, for some people, a renewed desire to live a holy life may mean you, you will not cheat. You will not cheat at school. You will not cheat at work or wherever you are. You will not cheat on your wife. You will not cheat on your husband. You won't cheat on anybody. Amen? It was a blistering hot day, very hot day. By the way, in, uh, in, in Brazil this time of the year, and in Guyana, Mr. Alfred, is it really hot or this is the rainy season? Is it, is it still really hot? Still very hot. I'm glad you came up here, brother. <laughs> what about Brazil? Is it very hot? You're so smart to come to Canada <laughs> this time of the year. <laughs> well, anyway, it was a blistering hot day. The house was full of guests, and things weren't going very well. Finally, finally, the hostess got everyone seated for dinner, and then the, the hostess asked her seven-year-old daughter to say grace, just to thank God for the meal. But mommy, but mommy, said the little girl, 
I don't know what to say. Mom, I don't know what to say. Yes, you do, said her mother. Just say the last prayer you heard me use. Just say the last prayer you heard me use. Well, obediently, the child bowed, bowed her head and said, Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, why did I invite these people on such a hot day? Hmm. Obviously, in the case of the story I just told you, the little girl just innocently said what, what she said. But nevertheless, nevertheless, I wonder, I wonder if the words of her mother might cause someone to have a renewed desire to live a holy life by being a little more careful, a little more careful about what you and I say. That includes me. Amen? Amen? A man visited a psychiatrist. And the man said, Doctor, I've been doing wrong. I've been doing wrong, doctor, and my conscience is bothering me. The psychiatrist asked, So you want something that will strengthen your will? The patient replied, Oh no, I'd rather get something that would weaken my conscience. <laughs> May your desire and mine be to pray. Lord, strengthen, strengthen my conscience so that I have a renewed desire to live a godly, holy life. Amen? And the best way to have a renewed desire to live a holy life is to say, Lord, cleanse. Dear God, cleanse and purify my heart. Cleanse me on the inside. Sanctify me through and through. Purify my heart, O oh God, so that I have the inner desire and the inner workings, the inner, the inner nature capability to live a holy life, a godly life. Would you make that your, that your desire throughout this coming Christmas season? Let's make it our desire throughout this coming season to have a renewed desire to live a holy life. In the Church of the Nazarene, we have a beautiful hymn called Unto Holiness. And wherever, wherever people live, that is, that is God's call. It's a call to holiness for each one of us. Amen. Amen. Let's move on. So, let's move on to the second truth. I wish for you strength to rise above your disappointments and heartaches. 
This truth occurs to me when I read verses 6 and 7 in the story as I think of the whole story of Zechariah and Elizabeth as well. Look at verse 6 and 7. It says, both of them, Zechariah and Elizabeth, were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly, but, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both along, they were both well along in years. Think about it. Even though Zechariah and Elizabeth had lived by the highest standards, they were upright, as the Bible says, they were childless for two reasons. First, Elizabeth was unable to conceive for whatever reasons. And secondly, both of them were now too old to have a child. Now, it's important for us to realize the following truth. To a Jewish family, to be childless in that day and age, to be childless was a very major heartbreak. The truth is, it, it's, it's a heartbreak in 2015 as well. But, but it's important for us to understand that in that first century, it was a terrible major heartbreak for any family. In fact, many people in the first century looked upon childlessness as a very disgraceful thing. And the, the reason we know that is because after Elizabeth, eventually after Elizabeth got news that she was going to have a baby, look at what she said. Look at what she said in verse 25 towards the end of the story. Look at what it says in verse 25. She says, the Lord has done this for me. That is when she, she finally discovers in her old age and after all this time, she is going to have a baby. She's going to give birth to John, who ends up being John the Baptist. Verse 25, the Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Now, not only did they look upon childlessness as a disgraceful thing, but unfortunately, some, some people even saw the inability to have children as a sign of divine punishment. They saw it as a sign of divine punishment. There wasn't, it was not a sign of divine punishment. It is not a sign of divine punishment, but in that century, in that day and age, there were many people who thought that it was. Now, one of the things, one of the things that I really appreciate about Zechariah and his wife is that although they were no doubt very disappointed about not being able to have a child, there is no indication that they became bitter and there is no indication that they became angry with God. Now I'm sure and you could figure this out yourself, I'm sure they probably went through months or years when they said, why God? Why us? Why? Why God? Why us? Why can't we have a child? But there is no record of them becoming bitter and angry towards God. Think about this. What is beautiful is that Zechariah and Elizabeth 
found the strength. They found the strength to rise above their heartache of not being able to have a child. Our faithful obedience to the Lord does not, does not always guarantee the fulfillment of our dreams in this life. Did you get that? Our faithful obedience to the Lord does not always guarantee the fulfillment of our dreams in this life. However, Zechariah and Elizabeth are an encouragement to us to inspire us to believe that God can give you and me strength. He can give us strength to rise above, to rise above our disappointments and heartaches and to persevere through life. Amen? And I wish for you, I wish for you God's strength to help you rise above whatever disappointment or, or, or heartache you might be wrestling with. Let it happen, Lord. Lord, give to each one, give to each one that strength to rise above whatever it might be that you are battling, that you are wrestling with. Let it be so. Let me take you to a third beautiful truth, and it is this. I wish for you God's answer to your special prayer. I want you to notice how, how it happened in the case of Zechariah and Elizabeth, beginning in verse 8. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. Let's pause right there. Let me ask you. In verse 13, the angel said, Your prayer has been heard. What prayer has been heard? What prayer has been heard? Think with me now. The next statement from the angel is, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to give him the name John. Now, those words might cause you and me to think that Zechariah was in the temple praying that God would finally give to them a baby. However, stick with me and, and think it out. Okay, I want you to think, think a little bit here. Zechariah went into the temple 
as a representative in an official capacity. He went as a representative of the whole nation of Israel. The priest, in this case Zechariah, who went into the temple to burn incense, had the primary responsibility of praying for the spiritual well-being of his country. He was in the temple to do business with God on behalf of all the people of Israel. Dr. Geldenheis, in his commentary, says he was praying for the spiritual redemption of Israel. Do you really think, do you really think that at such a high and holy time he would have dared, he would have dared to, to sneak in even a little prayer for himself and his wife? I don't think so. I like what one Bible scholar says. He says, it is, it is extremely improbable that while as consecrated priest he had to act on behalf of the people, he would think of his own interests and not of theirs, not of the country's. In addition, he and his wife were already so far advanced in years and had been so long without a child that most probably he had already ceased to pray about the matter. So then, what did the angel really mean when the angel said, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard? What did the angel really mean? I believe the angel meant this. I believe the angel meant, your prayer, Zechariah, your prayer for the spiritual well-being of the people has been heard. Your prayer for the people to turn their wandering hearts back to faith and trust in the Lord has been heard. Your prayer for spiritual revitalization in Israel has been heard. Okay. If that's what the angel was really saying, why, why then, why then is it that the angel's next statement recorded in verse 13 is, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to give him the name John. Why is that the next statement? Here's why. Here's why. Are you ready for this? You're listening to this? Drum roll. Drum roll. Here's the reason why the angel said what he said. God decided that he, the Lord, would help bring about spiritual revitalization in the nation by blessing Zechariah with a son, and Zechariah's son would become a preacher and prophet who would call people to repentance so that wandering hearts would turn back in faith and trust to the Lord. That's what it boils down to. It's like this. Zechariah was in the temple praying that thousands of people who had drifted away from God would repent of their sins and would get right with God. 
And then God, through the angel, says, Zechariah, I've heard your prayer, and the way in which I will answer your prayer is I will give you and your wife a son, and your son will grow up to be a preacher that I am going to use in a great way to accomplish what you are praying about. Wow. Wow. I was trying to figure out how I could, how I could simplify this to just help some of you who maybe just didn't catch really what's happening here. It's a little bit like this. It's a little bit like, it's a little bit like perhaps, perhaps a husband and wife here. Perhaps, perhaps you, you end up praying for a long time. Perhaps you end up praying, praying for, for all the medical people and the scientists to find the answer to cancer. So maybe for many years you are praying for people, researchers, to find the answer to cancer. You've been praying for years and years, and you still haven't seen it. You still haven't seen, we still haven't seen the answer to, to cancer. But then one day, in some miraculous way, one day the Lord reveals to you a great message. And essentially the Lord says to you, I'm going, I'm going to give you and your wife a son. And it's your son that is going to find the cure for cancer. I will use your son to find the cure or cures for cancer. Do you catch on now? That's what, that's what, that's what the Lord was saying to Zechariah. The Lord was saying, you're praying for the spiritual needs of this country, for the revitalization, spiritually speaking, of these people. I am going to give you a son, and he is going to be the one who is going to bring about the revival that you are praying about. Amen? Zechariah, by the way, was so shocked by the news. He was so blown away by what he heard that uh, basically in verse, in verse 18, in verse 18, old Zach says, you've got to be kidding me. He says, you've got to be kidding me. I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. And then, then the angel has to do some overtime work to convince him that they are going to have a son. Think about it. Zachariah and his wife most likely started to pray about having a baby many, many, many years earlier. It's very probable that at this stage in their lives they had given up all hope of ever having a child, which leads me to say this. My friends, God answers our prayers in his own time and sometimes in a very unique way. Beloved, some of you have been praying for a family member or friend for a long time to come to faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Don't give up praying because God answers our prayers in his own time and sometimes in ways that you never thought of. Others of you have been praying to meet the right husband or the right wife. 
Remember, God answers our prayers in his own time. Some of you have been praying about a sickness or some suffering or a sorrow in your life, in your family. Remember, God answers our prayers in his own time. In talking, in talking with people who are concerned because God doesn't seem to be answering their prayers, someone has said, someone has said, if the request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow down. If you are wrong, God says grow. Grow through this. But if the request is right, the timing is right, and you are right, God says, go. Go. Here you are. My wish for you as we look towards Christmas, I wish for you a renewed desire to live a holy life. I wish for you strength to rise above your disappointments and heartaches. And thirdly, I wish for you God's answer to your special prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you for the marvelous truths that we're able to discover from Zechariah and Elizabeth. And Lord, I pray that you would help our wonderful people here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene, and you would help our wonderful radio listeners with these truths as we prepare and as we look ahead to Christmas. Lord, may you make happen each wish for each of our lives in accordance with our needs. Let it be so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand, my friends? Would you stand as we sing this beautiful song that our musicians have selected? If you would like to spend some moments in prayer, you come. Perhaps today's the day that you want to and need to pray and say, Lord, I desire, I desire a renewed, a renewed experience to live a holy life. Maybe there's some choices, decisions you need to make, but you want to affirm to the Lord, Lord, as I move towards Christmas, as we look ahead towards Christmas, I want this to be a time when I grow in holiness, righteousness. Some others of you may want to come and pray and say, Lord, I need strength. I need strength today and in the days ahead to rise above my disappointment and my heartache. And someone else may want to say, Lord, I'm still calling upon you for an answer to this specific prayer. You come and pray as you wish, and we want to love you and encourage you and support you. 
come as we sing. Come. Come.